Hey, welcome to the CTO studio this week. I talked to Jesus Lazama. He is an engineer turned CTO of a rapidly growing agency. They're doubling their revenues every year. Hear about how he's managing his team, his growth, and a very special story for us immigrants. Cheers. Well, I have a wonderful electronic invention I want you to see. It, it looks something like this. Welcome to the CTO Studio. I'm your host, Etienne de Bruin. The CTO Studio is where we chat with CTOs building amazing products with incredible teams. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Jesus Lazama? Hello, this is me. Welcome to the CTO studio. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks do you for having know, me. Do you know what a CTO studio looks like? Uh, no, for me, it's like a dungeon. You know, I imagine some arcade machines, a ping pong the table. The Incredible Hulk, yeah. life-size doll, yeah, yeah. He-Man. Yeah, He-Man. You're right. I, I should do a better job. I think when C- CTO studio becomes huge, mm-hmm. we'll have people sponsor us with those types of things. <laughs> we definitely need an arcade Dig Dug. And I, I just today I was pitching uh, some of our guys to get Marvel versus Capcom too. You know, you, you need a classic <laughs> like that. You need it. So um, we're in Los Angeles. And so tell me a little bit. So you're CTO of Studio 3. Mm-hmm. And um, you and I had a great chat before this about the niche that you've carved out for yourselves. So tell me a little bit about what Studio 3 does. Yeah, so Studio 3 is a full, you know, all-encompassing uh, marketing company. We specialize in digital marketing, but we do, you know, print, we do photo shoots, everything. You can, you know, the way I like to pitch Studio 3 is you can come to me with an idea or come to us with an idea and we can give you a product. So when you say print, is that when you take ink and you spread it out on a physical substance? You know, I've I've only seen, uh, you know, this this technology, archaic technology, once or twice. So I, I don't know. I don't know I what don't it know. is. It sounds like f- the future. It could be. It could be. I mean, to have uh, something be permanent on a physical object, that sounds amazing compared yeah. to what we have now. I can only, you know, I only think in virtual, so I can't even comprehend this. <laughs> This is beyond me right now. So you are you a co-founder of Studio Three? No. And no. so how did you join? And and how did you how did you grow into this role? Uh, yeah. So prior to working at Studio Three, I was going to college, uh, yeah. and I was working there as a math mentor. So I worked with the you know math department, even the computer science department at times. And I think I was on break, and I was like, you know, I really want to. I really want to just start programming. Like, just let's see if I can get a job. So I remember <coughs> Christmas Eve, I went out, I started sending out a bunch of resumes on Craigslist, by the way. And yeah, I got the job through Craigslist. I got interviewed and within a week I was told, I remember I asked, I was like, hey, what do you guys, am I going to get the job? Because otherwise I'll just go back to school and keep, keep working as a mentor. They're like, no, 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 you're good. So that's kind of how it began. Well, how did they, what, what coding test did they have you do? Um, it was really just, they just threw me into the water and they're like, okay, we've got a project we need you to build, go. Wow. Uh, and so it was just a website. It was, you know, we built, it was building a website with PHP, HTML, CSS, all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. and I grew from there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love those stories. And then, so you, you signed on as a software developer mm-hmm. and then 
And then what happened? And then uh, kind of grew into. Were, more were you like the developer number one? No, there was another developer. Yeah, he's okay. still at the company. He's a really okay. good friend of mine. Uh, except I, I, I came from a more computer science background. Like mm. that was my major mm. in, in school. So I came in and, you know, off the bat, I, I kind of changed the, a few things. Like mm. this was before mobile responsive design was like fully out and like mm. you know priority. So I came in. I was like, oh, we could start doing responsive websites. Quick, so you know, mm. quickly I, I came in and mm. dropped in some technologies that I knew were going to be helpful. And you were like, "Dude, the CS major is in the house, <laughs> right?" Uh, and then became lead lead developer. Mm. You know, after you know maybe a year or so, okay. and then from there on, uh, the company kept growing. You know, we kept needing more and more developers. And uh, the way I got the role of CTO, actually, I was think I was I was thinking about this during my drive here. I was like, oh. I might get asked, so might as well remember. So I, I, I remember I had a, a meeting with HR, and uh, the meeting was just simple. I think everyone was having these HR. Yeah, and we don't. I know it's we have an HR department, but it's not like crazy. It's not what we're thinking. Uh, and she asked me, uh, "Where do you see yourself in five years?" And I said, "Honestly, I see myself as CTO of this company in five years." And you know, great thing I said that because our CEO at the time, he was already thinking this. So mm. a week after that conversation, he pulls me in, we go to, you know, we go to lunch and he's like, Hey, I want to make you the CTO. So I'm glad, you know, we're, wow. we're on the same page. And, <clears throat> and, you know, a few months after that, I'm, I was a CTO and suddenly you were everyone's boss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did that go? Great. I mean, great. I, you know, it really doesn't change anything for me. Uh, hierarchies are flat for me. And <laughs> there's really no such thing as a hierarchy, at least how I see it. And, so, you know, it's the same position really as mm. I feel like what I used mm. to be, except now I'm more involved in some of the the strategy, the mm. business mm. strategy, which, you know, it's still something I'm learning about. Mm. But, uh, you know, I'm still a developer. I still, sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes I go to meetups, for example, and I don't introduce myself as a CTO. I just say I'm a, I'm a web developer or, or software engineer or whatever, just because I, I still want that. You know, it's a big part of me. But then they see that you were nominated as CTO of the year by the <laughs> LA Business Journal. It's true. That was that was pretty yeah. awesome. That was pretty awesome, I will say. Wow. Yeah. How how was that? That was amazing. Uh, I definitely felt like I didn't belong <laughs> just because of the big names that were there. They were talking CTO of the Clippers, CTO of LA, which I didn't know we had a CTO, but there's a CTO. Uh Playboy, Verizon, Disney, all these other great companies, you know, and I'm right there. There's 40 of us that were, you know, nominees. And so just being amongst mm. that crowd and, 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 you know, it was amazing. I was sitting in the same table as the CTO of LA and then I, I had a really good conversation with the CTO of the Clippers and it was just amazing, you know, just in, uh, kind of like what I would imagine seven CTOs conference could be like you know you're you're meeting all these people from the area and you're you're well and they and they have a genuine interest in you and your yeah, growth yeah now is clippers is it is that a like a hair salon or a studio <laughs> it's a basketball team <laughs> of course i know you're joking you're joking but uh uh so are you a, a basketball fan no not at all <laughs> my son is really into it really he's only 10 but now as a south african i have to as a South African dad, mm-hmm. I have to feign interest in the rules <laughs> and the 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 league, and mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah, I know, I know. Although of all the American sports, I I think just shockingly, basketball seems like the most interesting one to me. Really? 
Because I still think that it's a marvel that you can throw a ball. Like every shot isn't guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. And you see these guys playing like, you know, their, their control with the ball. And, and their, their individual just Yeah, and even, even teamwork. Like you see someone like LeBron who just has somehow he has like a bird's eye view of the whole game. And he can, he just understands everything. It's, it's fantastic. It is a, it's a beautiful sport. It is beautiful. So you 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 you're, you're made CTO. Mm-hmm. Um, did you uh, like what was the first I would say obstacle that you feel you faced where you were like, uh oh, I think <laughs> maybe this isn't quite what I what I had in mind. Um, I don't know if I've experienced that yet. We definitely have experienced like technological problems. <laughs> or one of the first tasks that I was given is, hey, we need to build this reporting platform. Like, and so I, you know, I come from a, a background of building websites. They were pretty much static. There was some, you know, business logic involved, but not too much. And so, finally, I have to build this full-on MVC, you know, application. And and it was, you know, although it was CTO, it was still like hands-on developer. So it was a lot of technologies that I had to fully grasp real fast and build something, an MVP, you know, within months. And then after a year, you know, we finally had a working. Mm working system that was super useful for the company did you um were you part of the decision to build that product or was that mostly already decided and you you just had to execute yeah no i was i was definitely very involved and in fact extremely involved in every aspect of it i designed it everything you know like we it was mainly me and the ceo who were we got together and we're like okay where can we where can we come together right now and build something that's going to be super useful for the company? And that's, I think, what we decided on. And did you, can you remember the first person you hired? The first person I hired? Um, yeah. Yeah, there was a few. Uh, the you first person was Leo. He was, he's no longer at the company. He didn't last too long. Uh, hiring has always been very hard for oh, us. It's very, tough. very, it's very tough. hard. Yeah. Hiring is tough. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and do we you, still do, don't have that right. Do you think Leo is no longer with you because you hired because of you? Or be, I mean, it's a bit of a sensitive question, but do you feel like um, that first hire was 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 a real challenge for you as a CTO? Yeah, definitely. Because like an engineer turned CTO. You oh, so you mean hiring hiring after I became CTO? Yes. So I, I take it back. This okay. is before I was CTO. I was I was involved in the interview process for hiring developers okay. prior to that. Okay. If we're talking about CTO, I do think yeah, I remember he's now our lead dev. So he's okay. so it's actually a completely different story. <laughs> completely. <laughs> the moral of the story is when you when you're not the hiring manager, the, it's a, it's an unsuccessful hire. Yeah. <laughs> when you are the hiring manager, it's a successful one. Yeah, and I think it definitely has to do now I have a different mindset where I'm now responsible for the success of the company i'm responsible for the success of our engineering team so there's more there's more to it than than just you know being you know i feel uh yeah yeah responsible for Mm. the success of it how long have you been in this role two two years and and what do you feel if you reflect on the two years what do you feel you've grown the most at or had to grow the most at I think the most is uh, being able to delegate because I come mm. from I being the person it. that, you know, you have to solve all the problems mm. and, and you have to learn to 
don't get to not be so attached to to certain problems or certain projects and you know mm. just choose the right people to 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 work on it with you are you still reviewing pull requests yeah i still i still look at it i mean i'm still committing you know <laughs> I'm, i'm still actively contributing to mm. our code bases yeah. but you don't have a bottleneck where you have to review all pull requests no no okay. in fact um we have certain repositories where I trust our engineers and, and there are certain things that I, I don't even, I don't feel like I need to look mm, at it. I, mm. I think, I think we've developed a, a level of trust within certain projects that mm. I, I don't think it, it, it's needed. Yeah. A difficult journey for me was when my engineers started rejecting my pull requests. <laughs> yeah. That's uh you know, sometimes they're just better people. They're better at their job. So let them, let them do it. <laughs> yeah i uh in, 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 in probably much like you i developed i was the core developer of our first product and uh it was very difficult for me to let go yeah very difficult yeah it, it's it still is <laughs> and, I, and i and i and i think i had it all sugar-coated as i'm this nice person who can it's easy to talk to but on the inside i was a maniac hmm. i was i was obsessed of uh you know my ideas being pushed forward yeah yeah and then i had to learn that uh your 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 people are, are, are you're there to lift them up and mm -hmm. higher than you yeah yeah and that sounds like such a cliche when you say it but when you have to do it <laughs> it's 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 incredibly difficult it is it is very difficult yeah um One of the one of the key um, focuses I I that I've learned over the years that a CTO should have is on tooling, is to be able to provide tools that 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 makes life as easy as possible for your team, yeah, and uh, helps you accelerate your your whatever the mundane tasks are. And I, I, and I see, you know, when we spoke, you mentioned that you were able to do that as, as part of some of your accomplishments. Yeah. Tell me about that. Um, yeah. So for, in terms of, in terms of overall company, I think it's very important because, uh, sometimes, sometimes I think people think that CTO is, you know, you're, you're definitely very involved with the development team, but there's also that other area where I, I try to be involved in other areas. So One of the one of the biggest things we did was switch over to Slack. You know, switching to Slack before that we had AOL. I think we were using AOL and email. You know, and it was just it worked, I guess, but it wasn't what it is now. And even more recently, we switched over to Airtable to look at our, do all of our project management. And that was fantastic. It's it's great. So I think as CTO, you have to look at all the tools that are available. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to build everything. You have to. I think you have to be resourceful and find tools that are already existing out there that you can implement into your company organization and and being a, being able to like be effective with that and mm. in, and also in terms of development as well except i i i try to give our team more flexibility and i i let them experiment and find tools for themselves sometimes i do find really cool ways of doing something and i'll like off you know offer that as an option mm. but you know i think our I've, i'm developing I, you know i'm fostering this kind of like just culture of 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 being self self dependent and you know creating tools for your own self and for your mm. own teams because mm. we have our our development team is actually separated into different teams there's like you know 
development team that's working on new projects and then there's another team that's working on existing projects and then there's like our R&D team which we're you know we're building like new res- doing research and building new software like completely radically new software and uh, which teams wishes they could be the other team <laughs> I don't know. I think I think everyone. I think everyone's happy. Yeah, I, I would cool. love to try just a roll swap for a day and see what happens. I'm sure people would not be happy. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I think that uh, what drives the people that are attracted to R and D projects are very often the same people who would hate carefully deploying and manicuring projects. Yeah, and the vice versa. It's yeah. like. Uh, this great blog post by Rens and Repose around volatiles and stables where the volatiles can build without any specs and just 24 hours later you have a product. Hmm. The stables can't code unless they have the spec neatly thought right. through and, and uh, refined. And you need, you need both. Yeah, you do. And uh, so how are you integrating? So I, I want to get to what Studio 3 actually, you know, we spoke about sort of a niche mm-hmm. that you've been very successful in. How, um, but how do you um, manage the integration of the R&D projects into your production environment or into your, you know, if R&D comes up with feature A, mm-hmm. Do you have a process for for sort of folding it into the company? Yeah, we normally get we get people who are involved in like you know if we're building something for paid search, you know we get people on that team, and we get their we get their feedback. We just you know I think feedback super important. So we we normally just share it with some people and get get beta tests going on. Uh, it's pretty easy, you know. We have a, a certain way to deploy a, a branch and get serve that to a certain subset of users, and then they'll be seeing it while you know not affecting the production mm-hmm. application. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's there's a that's I guess one way that mm. that we do that. How many uh, R and D projects do you have going right now? We have about two and three, uh, two or three right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the team size there is two or three people. Or? Yeah, it's actually small. It's, uh, our CEO is very involved, so a CEO, and then I have uh, Ooh, another big projects. <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. We call them secret sauces or a side <laughs> side sauce or something like that. Side sauce. <laughs> um, yeah, and then we have another uh, f- like full stack in, uh, software engineer. So. Tell me about the niche that you hit on and kind of how that happened because I think okay. that's quite a quite an amazing success story. Yeah, so I came in to the company about a year or two after it was assembled, but uh, it originally started with our, our co-founder and one of his friends who was a doctor. Uh, and they, you know, he was, the doctor needed mar- online marketing, uh, like SEO and probably other, other forms, website management. So he learned how to do all this and developed a system that was working really well. And so they eventually were like, Hey, we should, we, this could help other doctors or other people in our, in our industry. Why don't we just try and try and do it for other, other people? And that's kind of how it's grown. And even to this day, we don't really do too many uh, outbound sales or any, any kind of marketing really for ourselves. Everything's word of mouth. And it's, it's kind of like a snowball effect. I think from that moment of working with, with that original doctor mm. going through the network, his network, and then you know going from there. Mm. And do you have powered by Studio Three as a tagline to all their <laughs> websites? Uh, yeah, a lot of them have like you know 
uh, I think design, uh, one of our big things is design. We're design and data first. Mm. So design by Studio 3 marketing and then mm. online marketing or yeah. marketing by Studio 3. We we built a similar network for nonprofits and we found that our number one referral, referrer, was that it is. little tagline. Oh, for sure. Especially for us because SEO is one of our key services. And a lot of our clients, they kill it on, on search. So they're number one, page one, page two, and people notice that, you know, and the competitors notice that and they'll come to us. But how does one, so you said, um, you said mostly um, what type of medical field? So all sorts, but we do kill it in the aesthetic world. So this includes plastic surgery, medical spas, uh, you know, cosmetic dentistry, things like that. And so SEO wise, are you? Is it still Google and search terms? Yeah, it definitely is Google. So um, nose job, uh, North Hollywood. <laughs> mm-hmm. Boom, Studio of Three. One, yeah, yeah. If you look at like nose job, you know Beverly Hills is like big. Rhinoplasty is massive there. So yeah, you any I can. I'm not going to put money on this, but I bet you that in most big parts of the country, of the big metropolitan cities, our clients there are number one. Hmm. Yeah. That's a, that must be a compelling story. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then that's all our SEO team. We have a whole team that dedicates themselves to learning how, how that machine works, even though nobody knows. And so then do you have case studies where um, people can then say, hey, since I joined Studio 3, my business has tripled or... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty, pretty common. Pretty simple. In fact, our our um, our losing losing rate of clients is very low. Like we don't, we hardly ever lose clients. Most people that come in, they they stay with us. And if and if they leave us, it's not because of a, propor- a performance <coughs> issue. It's you know for some other reason. But yeah. And your uh, technology is something you guys built from scratch. Is it? Mm-hmm. Did, so yeah. you built the. You said it's for sort of a flat file CMS. Yeah, we have a, like a, a flat file CMS system set up with and, PHP. And you've all you've built that all. Did you use a PHP framework at all? No, no. I mean, we we do use a lot of open source libraries and frameworks, but but nothing. Yeah, it's all you know built. Yeah, it was built by us. I love it. So you have a uh, so we have something in common, which is we're both foreigners. Hmm. Uh, but you have a very special story <laughs> in that you're a DACA recipient. That's right. So I would love to, I would love to, for you to tell us that story. Sure. Uh, at least I, that's what I can remember. I, I've been in the United States since I was about one or two years old. So I, I'm from stories that I gathered from my mom. You know, it was actually a very interesting. Very interesting journey for her uh, to, to, you know, at one point decide, hey, I, I got to leave, you know, Mexico and, and come to the United States for a better life for, for my kids. And at the time, it was just me and uh, my older sister. Uh, she, you know, she decided this is what I need to do in order for us to survive. And a funny story is, you know, everyone, you know, there's coyote, at least, I don't know, I guess there's still coyotes now, but this is how, this is how it happened. Not too many people know this, by the way. My mom... Uh, hired these people it was like a family who had kids similar to us in age (laughs) and i was i was dressed as a girl 
and my sister has a boy, and that's just how that's how it worked. So we came in, you know, through a port of entry, and it looked like we were we were kids. But my mom had to go through the rigorous journey of crossing the desert, you know, crossing the river, the Grande or whatever they call it. And she remembers my sister at one point saying, "No, I don't want to go with the other people. I want to go with you." And she almost did that. But in retrospect, she realized the journey. And there was points where she was crawling on the ground and, you know, blood everywhere. And she's like, my, you know, there's no way this, you know, three or four year old girl would be even capable. Anyways, we, you know, she, you know, she went through that, that enduring journey. And so, so you guys cross uh, through a border post Mm -hmm. as part of another family. Mm hmm. And why did you have to dress as a girl and a boy? Because that our ages, right? So my sister was a little older, yeah. and I was a little younger. Yeah. And the family had an older son and a younger daughter, and so it was. Just oh, a, so you went in as that, their children? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's horrible. Now you think about it, but <laughs> but that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, and then your mom made it. Yeah, correct. And then you got you reunited. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And that in itself is also something you got to, you know, that I, I, it's crazy that she was able to do that. She, you know, f- felt so compelled that she needed to separate us because what's the guarantee of either or n- not making it? You know, there's a, so much risk involved. But luckily, yeah, we ended up back together in San Diego and yeah, that's crazy. And do you know what compelled her? I mean, apart from the obvious, is there something that, that I don't know that, you know, that I could sort of have an understanding for what, what's good to go through that kind of ordeal. Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I know that um, even, even now where my grandparents live, like it's, it's not very modernized. It's a, you know, pretty poor area with, you know, limited job opportunities, especially for, for her, at least at the time. So I, I don't know. I think it could have been a multiple, multiple factors. But, mm. but is, this, is this Guadalajara? Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. And I think at the time, it, you know, thinking about it, like from a geopolitical point of view, I think it was after like the Reagan amnesty. So I think at that time there was a big drive. There was a big migration from that region over to to the United States because I, there was probably some hope that there would be another you know, amnesty from, from whoever was president at the time. Mm. So, so possibly your mother gets wind of that kind of thing happening in the States and then there's an opportunity that she then grabs to do that. Yeah. And so then you, you guys lived in San Diego for a while? Yeah. I, I think, I I don't know exactly how long, but I do remember going to pre-K in San Diego. But everything else has been L.A., like from kindergarten and, and up for me. So then she decides to move with the four of you mm-hmm. up to L.A. Yeah, the two of us. Yeah. And I, my dad was involved in certain parts. Mm-hmm. He was already in the United States, but, you know, they, they had so many mm-hmm. issues. Like by yeah. that time, by the time we moved from San Diego to L.A., there was no, done. There okay. was no dad. Yeah. <laughs> and so tell me about the, the DACA process. Like what? how did you get through that? Yeah, so... Uh, Luckily, into 2012, Obama, President Obama at the time, you know, passed this executive order, which allowed people like me that were brought to the U.S. as children um, and who, you know, graduated high school and had no criminal record to apply for this thing called DACA. And so DACA 
is just a renewable work permit, basically, and it and it allows you to, you know, one of the biggest things is it allows you to travel domestically. Like, you don't have to be worried about being deported, I guess. That, mm-hmm. that is, mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing, right? You're not going to get deported as long as you have DACA and you can work, which is, you know, the two big things that you really need to, at least for, or, or at least work, you know, you need work to survive. But as when you're an undocumented immigrant, having that safety of knowing you're not going to be deported if you were to be stopped by a border patrol, that right there is a huge, just a stress reliever. Like you don't, I don't have to worry about that, but I, I had to for, you know, almost 20, 20 something years of my life. I had to worry about that. So 2012, no more an issue. I got it. And I was already in, I was already in college at the time. And so it helped because I was able to work now. And funny enough, I don't know, this is serendipity, but the day my work permit came in, I got a call from our uh, math department, director of math, asking me if I wanted to work at at college. And I was like, "Uh, yes, I can totally work. Let me do this. And so just kind of went from there. What uh, what math degree did you get? I didn't get a degree. I dropped out. I you know I started working at Studio Three. Okay, so you Francisco. you quit to do yeah. that. I was uh, yeah. I was I actually wasn't a math math major. I was just a computer science major. And okay, cool. Uh, you know I was just math came was easy to me. Uh, you know certain types of math were easy to me, and so I was able to work and teach people that. Yes. <laughs> how 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 so how is this experience? So, so let me ask you this. Did did you have friends or did you know people who applied for DACA and didn't get it? Uh, no. Okay. But I will say this: I didn't know a lot of my friends, or several of my friends were undocumented immigrants until DACA came out. It wasn't something that was spoken of. Oh. You don't, you know, you don't, you, you don't share that information. Yeah, you don't really share that information. So there was a few of my friends. I was like, "Whoa, you're a DACA recipient too? Me too." So that was that was pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. And how how has that shaped? You know, you're currently a leader in the tech industry. You're the CTO of a successful company. You're a job provider. You're a job creator. Yeah. Um, but you've, you know, you've gone through a pretty tumultuous time, especially with your mother. And so how has all of that shaped you, do you think? Moving forward, what, 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 what does this mean for Jesus? I mean, it's, it's just a drive, you know, like I was so deprived of, of an opportunity uh, for all those for decades. And so for me, once I got DACA, it just, just turned on, you know, the light. I was like, okay, cool. I can, I have some direction. I can go. I'm, you know, motivated to, to, you know, conquer the world. That's, that's, that's what it's always been, you know? So it's, it's been a fantastic opportunity. Uh, you know, I was able to luckily, somehow I was given the opportunities to grow within our company. And, you know, I'm very, I'm very uh, thankful for that. Mm. I, so I had a, uh, an experience at a border crossing between California and Arizona. And I was driving to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And, you know, it was a Friday afternoon. I jumped in the car and I just started driving and when I crossed into Arizona, um, you know, there was a line of cars and I opened my window and I heard the, what I now realize was border patrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was, didn't know that that existed between states. And I, um, I as we were inching to, to, the, to the, the access point, I could hear the... Um, border patrol agent ask 
are you an American citizen? Mm-hmm. At that point, I was in the country for probably 18 months. And so now as I'm inching forward, I can see that it's kind of one of those, you know, they're kind of just waving people through. Yeah, like and, a checkpoint. Yeah, and, 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 but they're asking every car, are you yeah. a citizen? Yeah. Or a permanent resident? And oh, I tell you what, the four, four minutes or so that it took me to get through I was agonizing over should I <laughs> should I try and fake yeah. an American accent and just say <laughs> yeah or something yeah uh, and and risk it um, or should I just be honest mm-hmm. and just say no mm-hmm. and I figured if I say no they're just gonna say well show me your driver's license and we're good so I decided to say that I wasn't wow and. They, you know, they pulled me aside and I was like, oh, geez. And then they said, where is your, like, show us your passport. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have my passport on me. And um, that started a four or five hour ordeal. Wow. Yeah. And, and I mean. And it's scary. You it know, was scary, man. Yeah. Because I had basically, we had moved from South Africa to Germany and then from Germany to the States. So. It wasn't like I had anywhere to go to except fly all the way back to South Africa <laughs> with nothing. Right. And, um, you know, I just started a new job and I was, and it, it was, it was, it was terrifying. And I tell you what, for those four or five hours, I've, the, A, I feel like the border patrol was a little bit of a reach. I mean, I felt like they were enjoying it a lot, <laughs> threatening me. Oh, wow. Just telling me how they were going to deport me, just using some, some really foul language to just tell me that I was in the wrong place. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I was able to dig through my, my, my glove compartment and I saw a, I had some mail items in there. And one of the items was my social security card that had been mailed to me. Wow. But not the card. The, the other part of right. the envelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would ha- yeah they usually, it has your name, right? And yeah, the, like, yeah. congratulations, here's your, yeah. So I had one, I, so I had an H1B. I was in the country legally. Um, I just made this, I didn't think that I needed a passport to travel inside of the US. And, you know, as a foreigner, your passport is, if you lose that thing, you are completely <laughs> screwed. So oh, yeah. I didn't travel with it because I didn't want to lose it. Yeah, yeah. And so finally, like four hours, four and a half hours in, this the same dude who was just so smug came back to me and, and said, you know, because I was able to show the, and I don't think that's true, but, but he, I think, decided, okay, you know, th- this kid is probably legal. Yeah. Uh, came back and said, because I showed him the, because it, it had the envelope with my mailing address. Right. And it had the insert. I had the social security thing, again, locked away with my passport. <laughs> and, um, man, uh, that, was, that was one of the worst experiences of my life. Yeah, I, I, I can fully relate to that. Um, and even for, for me, I, I, there was a big, you know, before DACA, I kind of couldn't even travel. You know, I couldn't go anywhere. I, even traveling to to like Santa Barbara, I, ref- I would refuse to because I was so scared of, of, of having, or, you know, 
and having a moment like that. I yeah, didn't want to experience exactly, that. Exactly, because was, all it takes is someone to have a fender bender or you accidentally, you know, some vehicle yeah. accident. Everything changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've also had several, like I told you earlier, we've had several, uh, and by several I mean four or five times where when we fly back into the country, we're pulled aside into that small little office and, um, you know, you kind of get subjected to interrogation that is you know it's it sucks to feel yeah. so powerless man. yeah 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 and there's you know definitely people out there that are experiencing it at much more difficult levels than we are so you know uh, you know we're fortunate no I and I, again i count myself as v- supremely <coughs> fortunate even having gone through those experiences and so i i i i I love your story, and it just means that it, it really touches me. Yeah, I hope I hope you know it brings about awareness. You know, I th- I think there's a lot of DACA recipients out there. There are in the technology space. There's a lot of programmers. You know, we we've all been here. I think you know all of high school, and and so I you know if if I can get more people to be aware of of, of this, you know. You know, political limbo that we're in. You know, it's it's great. It's great. Mm. I I don't mind sharing that that part of my life mm. because uh, I think more people need mm. to be talking about it. And so, with with the ice thing that was going on, was that you know, ice was the the checkpoints for immigrants, right? Mm-hmm. Was that going on in LA as well? And oh yeah, oh yeah. There, there there was moments where there was raids all the time. You'd hear about them, you know, in the news. And those were so scary because some of them were actually very close to home. Uh, you know, just one wrong moment of being out going grocery shopping could have been that moment when you're gone. Yeah. That was reality for me for, for years. And so next steps for you would be uh, from DACA to, to citizenship or? Uh, you know, I don't know. It just depends on what uh, the people you know, controlling the government decide to do the, the, the biggest thing about DACA that people I think misunderstand is that, is that we have other options. Like there's other options to, to become a citizen, but you're not, you actually don't. So when you're a DACA recipient, for the most part, what it means is that you either came to the United States either legally or illegally. Um, but now you're here and there's no means to do anything else. So for me, there's a big subset of us that came to the U S illegally. Right. And when you don't have a proof of entry, when you come into the United States, you don't have like a stamp on your passport or anything like that, that base automatically closes all doors to any, any pathways to citizenship or residency. There's no way. There's nothing you can do. Uh, the only thing you can do is go back to the United States or to your original country and apply for it from outside. But what happens then is because you came in Ill- illegally, yeah, that's a law gets, that you broke, yeah. you get barred from entering the United States for up to 10, like 10 years, sometimes even more. And you almost rarely actually get the opportunity to, to, to come back. Um, even, you know, I'm married. I'm married to a U.S. citizen, and I don't have a pathway right now. There's nothing Even can, not through marriage? Correct. That's a big misconception because of the fact that I have no proof of ever entering the United States. So that just fully closes all, closes all doors. So that means that short of something exceptionally exceptional happening in government correct you have no pathway correct huh and then daca also has an expiry right so every two years you have to go through the process you you end up paying about 500 bucks 
uh, as a processing fee and you go and you get your biometrics done. That's like, Mm -hmm. you know, fingerprinting, Mm -hmm. things like that. And, you know, if assuming they approve it, you you're good to go for another two years. Okay, so uh, a very real future for you is in every two year, as long as the system. Yeah. Yeah. I have to renew this year. In fact, I probably will do it sometime this week. I have to go submit my paperwork. And, and worst case scenario, you and your family have to leave. Worst case scenario, yes. But I, w- I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, there's nothing for me over there. I don't yeah, know anyone, yeah, you know. Yeah. I finally, I, for the first time this year, I met my grandparents, my, my mom's parents, mm-hmm. and some of her sisters. So that came here. That came here. Um, they visited for a little while, but that was it. That's the full extent of, of who I met, you know, in Mexico. Mm. And I have no recollection of that country. It's not, I don't, yeah. it's not home for me. No, America is your home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you feel American? Oh yeah. I mean, in every sense other than this, this one little piece of paper, Crazy. I guess you can say. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's a, it's a, it's a you know, I feel extremely fortunate. I think this is, the greatest country on the planet and I'm a part of it now. Yeah. I became a citizen last year and it's, it's huge. Yeah. I, yeah. I want, I, I want that for you. <laughs> I want that too. We all want that. I'm, I know we're, we're, this is our, this is our, our home. We consider this the country, the best country, mm-hmm. in, you know, mm-hmm. out there. So hopefully all in due time, all yes. in due time. So let's, uh, <coughs> let's end off with um, sort of the scene. Are you, are you immersed with other CTOs? Uh, what, what is, What's happening for you in yes. LA? So in LA, uh, you know, that's that's something that I'm I'm still looking for. I'm still searching for a community uh, of CTOs. I'm, you know, I've gone to a couple of meetups. I think we, we talked about it right before this this uh, interview. But yeah, it's it's a big thing for me because I'm coming from a heavy engineering background, and I'm now CTO, and it's no longer just engineering. You know, I now have to learn about business, learn about working, managing people. And these are all things that I didn't really prepare for, you know, so I'm actively looking for that, that community, that Mm. group of people Mm. to, to learn from, because, Mm. you know, we're not, we're not the first company to, to be in our certain stage Mm. of growth. And I know that there's others that that have done it and they're more than willing to share their, their uh, expertise and, and, and experience with, with certain Mm. struggles Mm. that, that arise. And so that's, that's, that's my next thing. Mm. That's, that's me right now. I'm, Mm. I'm still searching. Yeah. The, uh, the, what I found with my company was there's a real breakdown that starts taking place around 15, 16 and direct report and direct report slash employees Mm -hmm. in the engineering team. It just starts getting, you, you just, it's like having two versus three kids. It's just <laughs> you, you get completely outnumbered. You, yeah. you cannot you cannot hold the issues and the challenges and the motivations and the screw ups yeah. in your head anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Do you already have some sort of you said you've got a flat structure. Yeah. Have you already started does each of those three groups of yours have like a lead? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And are yeah, they each, your direct reports or Yeah, yeah. We worked we work together all the time. Um but yeah, like I said, delegation is super important mm. and I they don't have all you know enough hands to to manage everyone and so we've delegate delegated these 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 leadership roles within those 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 groups and, and you know they're doing mm. a fantastic job. Well, I know we're in LA and I know the LA CTO forum is, is, is a very popular network. 
I know they do multiple events and um, yeah, I'm gonna check, the, <coughs> check yeah, them yeah, out. Definitely check them out. Uh, Tony Carrere, um, those guys. It's, it's lactoforum.org, oh. I believe. I, I think there's also an event later this year, maybe Feb. It's um, like a technology leadership role. It's in San Francisco. There's like um, CTO of LinkedIn and all these big mm, companies are going to mm. be there. So that's that's something I, I definitely want to mm. want to check out and check out the O one 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 CTO. That's right. That's in uh, March 29th, yes, right? That's Vegas, right. Um, and we're going to have them in Vegas, Portland, San Diego. I will definitely be there. So okay. I'm going to reach out to you, and uh, you're going you're gonna to have to show me around. Not Vegas, but, you know, <laughs> amongst all these people. I, I personally hate Vegas. It's ugh. Vegas is an acquired taste. <laughs> it's an acquired taste for sure. But when you're with the right people, I think it's yeah. definitely it makes a difference. Okay, Jesus. It's good all to right. meet you, man. Likewise. Cheers. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Have you chatted with a CTO lately? Hi, thank you for listening to the CTO Studio. If you don't mind, take a quick second and please rate and review the show. It helps us a lot. Go to thectostudio.com for more information on what we're doing at 7CTOs. We also have a video or two for you that could be a helpful resource for you as you're managing your company. So thank you for listening.